about. So I need you to go to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, I'm gonna start in verse 18. And I'm gonna read to you a portion of scripture about what Jesus says he's in the earth to do, what he's actually anointed to do. This is what the Bible says in Luke chapter four, verses 18 through 19. It says, Jesus is talking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So in other words, Jesus is not only saying I'm anointed to do something, but when Jesus is saying I'm anointed to do this, that means these are the things that I'm actually authorized to do. I didn't just come to the earth because I felt like it. I came because God sent me. And when God sends me, God sends me on mission. And I can only do, I'm only authorized to do, I'm only anointed to do what God has called me to do. First of all, that's good news because I don't have to feel the pressure of doing what you think I should do, what the world tells me I should do. I I only am here to do what God has anointed me to do. That's good news for us. But it also means that if I try to step outside of the thing that God has called me to do, anointed me to do, then that means I'm not authorized to do that. There won't be any power behind it. There won't be any strength behind it. The resources of God won't be behind it. I will be doing it in my own strength. And what I see in the world today is a lot of people who who serve Jesus, but they're doing most of what they're doing in their own strength. And so what I'm calling us back to, I'm calling us back to the thing that God has anointed us to do. Can somebody say amen? And the anointing is interesting because in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, there's, there's a difference. There's a difference. I want to share that with you really quick. The, the anointing basically means this. I'll give you a definition so that we can work off this definition. But the anointing means the authorizing, protecting, and appointing presence of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In Luke 3 and 22, we see where Jesus was anointed. The Bible says the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove, and a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well Please. So in other words, this is authorization. You are my son. You are acting on my behalf. That's why the New Testament tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are acting on Christ's behalf. But we don't get to do whatever we want to as ambassadors. We are here on mission. And so, so God says, you are my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. And the word anointed just literally just means to smear oil on something. To smear oil on something. And so in the Old Testament, what they would do, in particular in Exodus, when they were pulling together all of the different materials and the, the, the different, the, the basins, the bowls, and all of the stuff that made up the temple, the Bible said God commanded them to, to make an oil, and they would use that oil to make the things of the temple holy. So the oil would make them holy. And what's so good about that is that in the new covenant, Hebrews 10 and 10 says that we have been made holy 
through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So the reason I can be, I, I, I can have God's presence and God's power, it's not because I'm holy, and it's not even because I, I, somebody poured oil on my head, it's because Jesus died for me, gave his life for me, and now because of Jesus, I'm holy. And the Bible says I'm holy once and for all. First Corinthians says this, it says in First Corinthians 3 and 16 through 17, it says we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, it says do you not know that yourselves are the temple of God and God's spirit dwells in your midst? So the old covenant, the oil represented was a type of the Holy Spirit and the new covenant, the oil is the spirit. Is there anybody thankful today for the spirit of God? for the active, moving, presence, working, comforting, strengthening, empowering presence of God in our lives. Second Corinthians chapter one, verses 21 and 22 say, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. 1 John 2 and 27 says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. The Bible is not telling us that we don't need teachers or we don't need to be taught. The Bible is just telling us that there are some things that we get from the anointing, from the empowering of the Holy Spirit that we can't get in a classroom. Come on, is there anybody thankful for the stuff that the Spirit of God has taught you throughout your life? There's some stuff I didn't, I didn't learn in the school of hard knocks, I learned from the Holy Spirit. There's some stuff I didn't learn in my classroom, I didn't learn a whole lot in school. I got some friends, they're sitting over here, I won't point them out, but they went to school with me, they, they know. I didn't learn a whole lot in school. But the things that I wasn't able to learn in a book or in a classroom, I, I learned from the Holy Spirit, and guess what, I've used them in the classroom, I've used them in boardrooms. Some of you have used them. You've used them when you were in the, in the hospital room. You, you used them when, when you were in the waiting room. You've used them in all types of different rooms. Stuff you didn't learn in a room, you learned from the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, aren't you thankful for a Holy Spirit that doesn't just teach you doesn't just teach you things up here, but it teaches you things on this level. Teach me how to live and to move. So the Bible says it, it's in him we live and we move and we have our being. It's, it's practical, it's for my life. It's not just way up here, I'm reaching for it. Man, it's practical for, for everyday life. But here's the difficulty. The difficulty with the anointing is that people have settled for something different than the anointing. People have settled for entertainment. They have settled for gifts and talent because most people don't have a reference point for the anointing. Here's the reference point. The Bible teaches in Isaiah 10, 27, it teaches that the anointing breaks the yoke. Here's the difference. Gifts and talent will entertain you, but the anointing will change you. So we have to have a reference point, or we'll, or we'll think that when we, when we went to, I was telling them Wednesday night, I said, I went to a Coldplay concert, and I cried through the whole thing, just listening to Chris Martin sing Coldplay, he's my favorite band of all time, and just listening to him sing, I got cold chills, hair stood up on my arm and my neck, and I cried. Can I tell you that was not the anointing? It was not the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
That was his gift. And if we're not careful, we'll feel that same thing in church and think it's the anointing. And we'll settle for some tears and some goosebumps and some hair being raised on the back of our neck when that's not what God really wants to do in your life. I'm thankful that he, he can do that, but he wants to do more than that. He wants to change me from the inside out. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful there's a difference between the gifts and the anointing that breaks the yoke off of my life. I don't need to come to church to just be entertained. I don't even need to come to church to just be uplifted. I can, wa I can watch TV and get uplifted. I can watch a good movie and get uplifted. I need to come to church so that chains break off of my life, so that the things that have held me back aren't holding me back any longer. Come on, so that the devil is defeated in my life, so the addictions end. So, come on, I need the anointing. Does anybody in the room need the anointing? I need the anointing. So, so being gifted and anointed are not the same. When your gift works, you work. But when the anointing works, God is working. And I'd much rather God work this morning than me work. Amen. Amen. So in Mark chapter 1, verse 23, we recognize this authorization that Jesus had. The Bible says that Jesus begins to stand up and teach in the temple. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this man that's in the temple starts to manifest this demon. And this demon in this man starts to talk to Jesus. And he says, hey, are you here to torture us? I know who you are. I know you are the Holy One, the Anointed One, the Son of God. Jesus rebukes him immediately, and that demon comes out of that man, and he was set free. My question is, is not, I'm not surprised that Jesus has authority over demons. I'm just surprised that that man was able to go to church that long with a demon. I want to be a part of a church where demons are uncomfortable sitting in the seat. They've either got to make up their mind. They're going to expose themselves or they're just not going to show up at all. Because I don't want to be, be a part of a church in a ministry where the enemy feels comfortable sitting in the seat. I want to be a part of a ministry where there's enough authority that it challenges him. He said, I can't go there. I can't. If I go there, they're going to torture me there. Come on. So Jesus had the authority because he was authorized. He, he was authorized. He had power over the demonic. And, and, and listen to me, so do you and I. This anointing that Jesus was using to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to open blinded eyes, we have this same, we have this same anointing. We've been authorized to do the same thing. I love it. So this anointing is not only authorizing, but it's protecting. I love I love David because David had insight into the anointing that very few Old Testament figures had. And David, when he's writing Psalm 23, he says something very interesting. He says, you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. And I never really, I never really got the imagery there other than just the fact that, yes, David was anointed with oil to be king. But I didn't really realize until just recently that, that the anointing oil, this picture, this, this example that God used was actually taking, taken from shepherds and sheep. So shepherds would use oil on their sheep. 
And the reason they would use oil on their sheep, and, and Psalm 23 is all about shepherd sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So the whole imagery of Psalm 23 is shepherd and sheep. And so when, when Psalm 23 gets to the verse where it says, he anoints my head with oil, it's still shepherd sheep. And so if, if you, all you gotta do is a Google search for this. Just Google, why do shepherds anoint sheep? It's wild. It's, it's, it's actually crazy, and it speaks directly to the day we're living in. The first reason shepherds would anoint sheep is because sheep fight a lot. We don't fight at all, do we? <laughs> and so because the sheep fight a lot, and the way they fight is they butt heads, the shepherd would anoint their heads with oil so that when they would butt heads, there would be less friction and they would glance off of each other. So we're anointed so that our fights don't hurt us the same way the fights in the world hurt. See, see one of the differences that should be in the church is we should love one another, Jesus said. See, see, you're not anointed just because you can sing. You're anointed when you love your neighbor. You're anointed when you love your enemy. Come on, somebody. The oil is flowing in my life when, I, when, I'm, when, I, when I'm kind and when I'm generous and, okay. So he says he anoints my head with oil. The second reason is that bugs were attracted to the sheep because of their wool and bugs would get into their nose and their, their ear canal and they would embed themselves in there and they would hatch and they would cause diseases and sicknesses and one of them was a brain disease that would make the sheep self-harm. They would get so frustrated with this thing that was happening in their head, they couldn't stop it, they would run wildly without purpose <laughs> I want to say a whole lot right now, but I'm just going to keep quiet. Um, they would run wildly without purpose. The other thing they would do, listen, they would, they would beat their heads on the wall. They would dig their heads into the dirt, and some of them would end up killing themselves by fracturing their skulls, trying to deal with these bugs and this infection. So the shepherd would protect them by anointing them with oil so the the bugs couldn't latch on. Now, how good is the shepherd? How good is the shepherd that not only does he wanna, he wanna protect us from each other, but he wants to protect us from ourselves, from self-harm. How many of you have ever hurt yourself? There should have been a whole lot more amens than that, but well, like y'all didn't wanna admit that one. Like, how many of you have ever hurt yourself? Like. How many of you believe in your life you've probably been your worst enemy? Like I've been my, yeah, I've probably been my worst enemy. And so God knows that. So he, he, he protects us from ourselves. And listen, if they, were, if they were lucky enough to not be killed by the infection, one of the things the infection would do would cause them to lose vision. So they would lose sight. They would lose vision. And what do we see right now? A world that has lost sight of what really matters visionless, visionless. I mean, we, we see a world right now that's full of, because when you don't have vision, you, you're angry and you're afraid. What happened this summer, when you saw cities burning, it's people that were angry and afraid. What happened this past week, when you saw that, people that were angry and afraid. And when you are angry and afraid, it's because you don't have any vision. 
You think, you think that life is, con- you, think that your, you think that your circumstances are in control of your life. You think that your situation is what is controlling your life. You think that things that are outside of you are controlling you. Nothing could be further from the truth. When you have a vision, when you see God clearly, and when you aren't infected with anger and fear, you're not running around, beating your head on the wall, trying to hurt other people. But when you allow this anointing to heal you and protect you and cover you and give you a vision, you don't act like that. You don't act like that because I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the future because I know who holds the future. I'm not afraid of an election because I know God is ultimately in control. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of what anybody tries to take from me. I, and and I was, I'm, I've been told all year who to be afraid of. When the Bible is full of scripture that tells me not to be afraid. As a matter of fact, 365 times the Bible precisely tells me, do not be afraid. That's a do not be afraid for every single day of the year. And when I'm not afraid, I act different. When I'm not afraid, I love different. When I'm not afraid, I forgive different. We need a, and, and what the world needs now more than anything, a, a world that's afraid, the world needs a fearless church. A church that's not afraid of elections, a church that's not afraid of disease, a church that's not afraid of some suffering, a church that's not afraid. I'm I'm not afraid. Twitter's going to overtake my life. I'm not afraid of Twitter. I'm not afraid of the president. I'm not afraid of any of them because none of them hold my soul in the palm of their hands. None of them have my life. And and when, when, when I'm anointed, I'm not just authorized, I'm protected. And so it doesn't matter what the government tries to do to me. It doesn't matter what my neighbors try to do to me. It doesn't matter what people who hate me try to do to me. I'm protected by the almighty God who put his mark and his seal on my life. That means I'm his possession. I'm owned by God. When you're owned by God, what can a government do to you? That's why the Bible says, listen, if you're going to fear anybody, fear God. Because the worst thing a person can do is throw you into the grave. God has both the grave and eternity in his hands. And so I'm going to put my life in the hands of the one who doesn't just hold my, my physical body, but the one who holds my eternal So Can anybody in the room put their hands together and thank God that in this season, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be running around beating my head against the wall, digging my head in the dirt because I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm, a, I'm anointed. Psalm 105 and 15 says, touch not mine anointed. That's my scripture right now. When the media wants me to be afraid, I can hear God saying to CNN and Fox News and all of them, touch not mine anointed. That's what I feel. I feel I feel good right now. I feel excited right now because there's never an opportunity like now. There's never an opportunity like now. 
the value of this difficult season that we are going through is the opportunity that is creating for us to preach the gospel. Amen. 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 You need to get, you need to get, get a conviction down in your soul. I'm not going to be swayed by the news. I'm not going to be swayed by opinion. I'm not going to be swayed by, by the outrage in the culture. I'm not, gonna, I'm not, a, I'm not even going to engage in the, this culture of outrage and anger and fear. I'm going to be who God called me to be. I'm going to be who God called me to be. I'm going to love people that hate me. I'm going to bless them that persecute me. I'm not going to burn their stuff down. I'm not going to attack them. I'm not going to throw things at them. I'm not going to hurt them. I'm going to help them. I'm going to bless my enemies. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to help. I'm going to, I'm going to do, because this is what I'm anointed for. God will never anoint you to do something that is contrary to his word. Bro, he is not going to anoint you to win an argument against your spouse. You in your room, God, anoint me, gift me, give me the wisdom to over, to win this argument. God is not going to give you, he's not going to anoint you to win a political argument. He will anoint you to open blinded eyes. He will anoint you to open deaf ears. He will anoint you to declare liberty to captives. Come on, man. So the anointing of God, it, it authorizes me and it protects me. But it only authorizes me to do what he has called me to do. I'm not, I'm not authorized to hurt people. I'm not, I'm not authorized. I'm not authorized to get angry and lose my cool. I'm not authorized to do that. So it authorizes me. It protects me. And this is one thing that we have to, we have to, we have to take, some of us have to take the most comfort in, is that the anointing is the authorizing, the protecting, and the appointing presence of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we struggle with in serving God is that our appointment and our anointing are not always the same season. And when you look through scripture, people that were appointed on the same day they were anointed very often wasted the oil. Saul was anointed and appointed in the same season. Lost it. Adam, first man, anointed and appointed, same season, lost it. Jesus, the Bible says about Jesus, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, favor with God and with man. Jesus grew into his anointing. How many of you would say, at two years old, he's the son of God? At 15, he's the son of God. But he isn't released to begin his ministry until he's 33 years old. Even Jesus had to be prepared. And people that want a shortcut don't appreciate preparation. And if you don't appreciate preparation, you are not going to enjoy serving God. <laughs> In 1 Samuel 16, the Bible says that Samuel comes and 
he anoints David. And it's between 15 and 20 years before David is actually appointed to do what he's anointed to do in 1 Samuel 16. Anybody in the room feel like you're more than where you are right now? I'm gonna ask that again. I'm gonna let you know this is a room where you can be honest. Does anybody in the room feel like you are more than what you are or where you are right now? Okay, I do. What do you do when you're anointed to be king, but the first thing God asks you to do is take cheese to your brothers on the battlefield? What do you do when you're anointed to be king, but you're serving the king? What do you do in the meantime? What do you do in the in-between? How do you handle the season of anointing when you feel like it should also be your appointing? Because announcement and fulfillment don't always happen at the same time. Samuel announces he will be king, but it's gonna be years before he will ever be king. So, What does that mean? First of all, it means this. I am who God says I am before anyone acknowledges it. I am who God says I am before anyone else tells me I am. It's it's not arrogance to know who you are, and it's not arrogance to know what you have. It's only arrogant if you forget who gave it to you. So so this is this is what I need you to under this is what I need you to understand. I need you to understand who you are now. Before the appointment, I need you to understand who you are because of the anointing. Because if you don't understand who you are because of the anointing, you're still waiting on the appointment, then you will sacrifice so much now that is necessary for your time of appointment. You'll waste oil. What, what, if, what if Samuel had gone with his assumption? Right, Samuel shows up to Jesse's house and he sees the oldest brother and he says this has to be him and instead of talking to God about it, he just said this gotta be him, he's big, he's strong, he's the firstborn and we know about firstborns in the Bible. I mean, I'm a firstborn, I know all about it. It's precious. Anyhow, <laughs> but, but, but it, what, what, what if he would have just been like, just dropped that oil all over him and God says, um, no, that's not him. What does Samuel have to do? He has to apologize, first of all, sorry for just pouring oil all over you, that was weird. And uh, <laughs> second of all, I gotta go back and uh, I'm gonna just have an oil truck out here somewhere. So I'm gonna have to go back to my. So, so you're repeating things and steps when you waste. A lot of scholars believe that because the Bible says that all of the brothers 
had to come and pass by in front of Samuel. Samuel was literally holding the horn of oil in the air. And as they came by, he waited for the oil to be released. Not with his hand, but from, from heaven. Right? And so the oil was actually stuck in the horn until the right person got under it. I want you to know this. No one can steal what God has for you. No one can take it. What, what he has for you is only released on you. So there has to be a level of confidence when you are anointed to know that if I am anointed, then there is nothing in the world that can stop the appointment that God has for me. The appointment is just the time, the season, the day. And this is how God operates. He operates in times and seasons. Even the Bible says about Jesus that at the appointed time, there's an appointed time, God's just not winging it up in heaven. I, I take great security in the fact that God's just not winging it when it comes to my life. He's not just like, oh man, oh bro, I'm sorry, I didn't expect that to happen. Let me figure something out. Let me talk to the angels. Hey guys, what, just, what was that all about? That wasn't on the... That wasn't on the agenda. What are we doing? No, God has, even the appointment, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. Even my death is an appointment. My life is an appointment. I didn't sneak into the earth. I, I was, at the right time, I came into the earth. Just like Esther, I was born for such a time as this. This gives me great strength because... There are, a lot of, there are a lot of parents who worry about, oh man, I, I, I just, I hate this for my kids, that, 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 that they have to live in a world like this. And we're always like, I'm afraid for my kids' future. I'm afraid for the world my kids are gonna have to live in. Do you know that when God created them, he designed them with the time in mind, with the culture in mind? So it might be too much for you, but it's not too much for them. They were made for it. They, I was made for this moment. You couldn't take Robbie Hilton and put him at any other time in history. I wouldn't work. It'd be dysfunctional. But I was made for this moment. I was made for September 20th, 1978, to whenever my appointment is. I was made for this moment. I was made for this culture. I was made, I was made for this place. I was made for this space. I was made for this people because my, my, my anointing has, has, has an audience. My anointing has an audience. There's a people, not only has God sanctified me and set me apart, but the people that he's called me to have been sanctified and set apart. So, so my anointing has, has an audience. You realize, I, people have told me all the time, Rob, you should, go, you should go to a big city, man. You're wasting your time in Johnson City. No, I'm not. My anointing has a people. You are my people. You are my people. You, you have to understand this. Some, you have to understand. Some of y'all are like, I love my church, but I brought people to my church and they don't like Robbie. That's why, not, that's why you can love this church, but not everybody in Johnson City comes to this church. Because my anointing has an audience. This gives me, this gives me, this, again, this gives me security because I know I'm not for everybody. And neither are you. You're not for it. Not everybody's gonna be like, oh my gosh, you are just amazing. 
No, because your anointing has an audience. There are people that God has prepared for you. Come on, man. That's why you, that's why you don't get frustrated when people reject you. Don't get frustrated when people t- say no. Don't get frustrated when they close the door. Don't get frustrated when they don't say, hey, come on in. Because God has a people that are anointed to hear your and receive your anointing. Oh, man, this is good news. That's why I don't have to hate on anybody. I don't have to be like, well, they, they, they left the church. I guess so-and-so down the street's a better preacher. Can't be a better dresser. Must be a better preacher. Must be a better preacher. Must be more anointed. No, no, no. No, my, my anointing has an audience. And my calling has a context. So very often when you're frustrated about timing... And you're frustrated about the appointment. It's not that God is just preparing you. He's preparing people for you. I'm telling you, you don't want to pour the oil on somebody that's not for you. He's preparing a people. He's preparing a place. David actually is anointed two more times after 1 Samuel 16. He's anointed in 2 Samuel chapter 2 to oversee the people of Judah. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 5, he's anointed again by the people to oversee all of Israel. There's, there's three anointings. Why? Because new seasons require new oil. Listen, I cannot rely on an encounter with God I had in the 90s to sustain me in 2020. I need new oil. I need new oil. I need new encounters with God. I need fresh experiences with God. Because what I'm, what I'm, what I'm going through right now requires a new anointing. The Bible teaches about even the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that it wasn't just a one-time event that happened in the life of the disciples and the apostles and the people. They were, they were, they were filled multiple times throughout the New Testament. I need, I need to be filled over and over again. So what do I do when I'm anointed to be king, but I'm working for the king? What do I do when I feel like I'm more than the situation I'm in? Number one, recognize this. God doesn't waste anything. You serve a God who doesn't waste anything. God doesn't even waste your tears. The, the Bible says that your tears are actually stored in a bottle. And the Bible teaches that what you sow in tears, you will reap in what? Joy. You thought you were just crying. You didn't realize you were sowing. Because even my tears are working for me. So I have to understand something about life, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm anointed. And when I'm anointed, that means that God isn't wasting any aspect of my life. Listen to me. If you've been divorced, he's not going to waste the divorce. 
He's not gonna waste the pain. He's not gonna waste, he's not gonna waste the frustration. He's not gonna waste the sleepless nights. If you've lost someone, he's not gonna waste the pain. He's not gonna waste the frustration. He's not gonna waste the sleepless nights. If you're struggling with raising your kids right now, he's not gonna waste the frustration. He's not gonna erase, waste the pain. He's not gonna waste the sleepless nights. Whatever is frustrating you right now, God doesn't waste. Number two, I gotta recognize I gotta trust that God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. Again, preparation is not just about the place I'm going, but it's about the people I'm assigned to. I'm assigned to you. This won't work. I can't just pop up in Atlanta and say, hey, I'm gonna start a church. I'm anointed. No, no I'm assigned to you. You're my people. Whether you like it or not, you're my people. I'm your people. Listen, a bad boss is not punishment. God loved David. David was anointed. He had a bad boss in Saul. A bad boss is not punishment, it's experience. Well, God, when God shows you a picture of something wrong, what he's, he's showing you that he's exposing you to that so that when he gives you that level of authority, you do it right. This should, get you, this should get you excited right now because if God has put you in a position where he's showing you something done the wrong way, he's showing you how to do it when he puts you in the position so you'll do it the right way. Because the anointing elevates my life. The anointing promotes my life. And so the anointing will show me Okay, when, when, you, when you have your bit and when you have people under you and when you're leading people and when, you're, when you have a family and when you're fathering children and when you have a wife, you'll do it better. Number three, the anointing is within you, but pressure is how it flows out of you. Pressure has revealed what is on the inside of many American citizens over this past year. Pressure, it reveals what's on the inside of you. And there, there are different types of pressure. There's pressure that God uses to bring the oil out of you. But there's pressure that the enemy uses to bring something else out of you pressures of insecurity, the pressures of comparison, those things bring, they press something out of you as well. So I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to give in to insecurity. I don't want to give in to comparison because those things press something out of me. I only want the pressure from God that's trying to produce what he has deposited on the inside of me. Pressure is the only way I can see what's in me. Jesus was praying in, in a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane was an oil press. And Jesus in Gethsemane faced great pressure. So great, the Bible says his sweat was like drops of blood. He was so pressed on the inside. He was so twisted and in and, 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 and pain on the inside that it was showing on the outside. What was in him was flowing out of him. And, and this, is, this is a beautiful picture 
It's a painful picture, but it's a, it's a beautiful picture because it exposes to us how God gets good things out of us. Jesus, Jesus said, if you'll suffer, or I'm sorry, Timothy said, Paul said to Timothy, if you suffer with Christ, you'll reign with him. So, so over the years, I've had people come to me and say, hey, Rob, pray for me. I want your anointing. Okay, you want what you see, but you don't want what it costs me. So that's why when I preach to you, I'm not, I'm not up here just to show off a gift. I'm not up here just to show you, just to enlighten you or to open your No, I'm also up here to show you what I've been through because I need you to understand you don't just arrive at appointments without going through some pressure. You don't just show up and it work. <laughs> you have you have you have you have put in the work. Because listen, if if you go to the store, you go to the store and you could buy some oil on a shelf and a couple dollars you can get some oil. But if you were to ask the olive, how much did it cost you? Y'all would say everything, everything, cost me everything. I've, 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 uh, I found, I found something out, and I want to share this with you. I'll close right here. I got a lot more to say. Maybe we'll continue this next week. Anointing, appointing. Announcement fulfillment. The one thing you can trust is that when you are anointed, you don't have to tell anybody. When when you are anointed, you don't you don't have to. Now, now listen, all that stuff I said. Recognize I'm anointed. I'm I'm empowered. I have God is on my side. But you don't have to walk into your job on Monday. And when your boss says, hey, uh, that, that report was due last week and I still haven't gotten it, you don't look at him and say, you don't talk to me like that. I'm anointed. Please don't do that. That's, that's, not, what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. When you, are, when you are anointed, you don't have to announce it to everybody. I don't have to get up this morning and before I preach say, hey, listen, just so you'll receive what I say, I need you to know I'm anointed. We'll make that announcement. Don't have to announce it. If I'm anointed, you can't hide it. You can't hide it. There, there's a story in Exodus chapter two, and the Bible says uh, that, that Moses' mom had been hiding her, or hiding him for a few months. And the Bible says when she realized that she could hide the baby no longer, why couldn't she hide him? He was getting big, he was growing. When he was little, she could hide him. But when he, when he couldn't be hidden anymore, she couldn't hide him anymore. I just want you to know this. When you can't be hidden, you can't be hidden. Your growth will define whether or not you're in a season of, of hiding or you're in a season 
of being exposed. So, so you don't have, you, so the people who run around and try to, try to, try to, try to act like, and, and, and all of us, we feel it, right? I feel, I'm, I'm more, I'm bigger than this, but we don't have to, we don't, listen, if we are, we won't have to, we won't have to tell anybody. If, if we're bigger than this, we'll grow out of it. If we're more anointed than this, then it'll show. If, if we're not a baby anymore, Paul, the Bible says, comes into Rome. He's called, he's anointed to change the city. But he walks in to Rome in chains. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, listen to the guard. Hey, listen, you don't understand. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Like, power of God is on my life. Why? Because my condition doesn't define my anointing. It doesn't, it doesn't define it. it. It doesn't hinder my anointing. It doesn't hinder what God wants. I, I, I can come into a city with, with, in, in handcuffs and be called to change that city. You, you remember Joseph? Maybe, maybe you weren't, maybe you didn't grow up in church. There was this guy named Joseph in the Bible, and he had a dream, and it was years before his dream became a reality, but, but the Bible tells us that while Joseph was in prison, that for the first time, Joseph interprets a dream. So for all of Joseph's life, he had been having dreams, but he wasn't just anointed to have dreams. He was anointed to interpret dreams. But, but the anointing, the gift to interpret dreams wasn't unlocked. It wasn't revealed until he was in prison. Paul was in chains. Isaiah 10 and 27 says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. The Bible actually says in, in the original language, it says that the yoke is broken because you get so fat. That's what it says. Read the NIV. The yoke is broken because you get so fat. So, so here's the point. When, you're, when your anointing and your appointing don't seem to line up, can you, keep, can you still grow? Can you still be faithful? Can you be faithful in a prison? Can your gift be unlocked in a prison? Can your gift be unlocked while you're locked up? And so many people are waiting for, for some big door to open. But what if being anointed means some doors close? So, so I, have to, I have to trust God's timing is perfect. And I have to trust that the thing that he has, he has, he has anointed me to do, that even if it's locked up, even if I'm in chain, even if I'm in a prison cell. Paul was under house arrest for, for a couple years. And the Bible says that people were still getting saved. People were still getting healed, still getting delivered. While he was under house arrest. Why? Because, because the anointing. I can be locked up, but it'll still work. I can be under pressure and it will work. I can be in a, in a situation that doesn't make sense and it will work. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, help us. Help us to realize that you don't waste anything. Your timing is perfect. And the only way what you've deposited inside of us, the only way for it to come out of us is pressure. 
It's pressure. Sometimes I have to be in a position where it feels like I'm, I'm locked up or I'm bound or I'm yoked or so that it can be released. So today, I thank you that you have anointed me for this time, for this season. That the things that are coming against me, the pressures that I feel, the things that I'm facing, I'm anointed for this. I was made for this moment. I was built for this time in mind. I was built for this culture. I was built for this season. I was built, I was made for this. And so I I put my confidence in you today. In the name of Jesus. And everybody in the room said amen. Hey, will you stand on your feet with me today? And Sometimes when it comes to the, the thing that God has put on the inside of you, if, if you're not careful, not realizing that you need new oil for new seasons, you'll hold on to what you, you'll hold on How do I say this? You won't be able to pour out what you have because you're waiting for what you want. Does that make sense? And so you have to understand that the reason new anointings come is because the old one has faded. I need a new one. And if I'm not careful, I'll think I don't need a new one because I'm still hanging on to the original. I'll still think all that God wanted from me was that day I said, yes, Lord, become Lord of my life. I'll still think that, that the only encounter God wants to have with me was the salvation encounter. The only encounter God wanted to have with me was that service that was really, and I got touched. And Now God wants to move you from one, anointing, one experience to another. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I love you so much. Thank you for being here today. And uh, I hope you have an, an awesome day, and, and I hope all your teams win and, and make the Super Bowl, all right? Super Bowl, all right? Super Bowl, all right? Super Bowl, all right? Super Bowl.